0: In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. Dr. Peter Bogassian, a professor of philosophy at Portland State University, submits his letter of resignation stating that my university sacrificed ideas for ideology. So today, I quit. I'll cover this story and where I agree with Dr. Bagasian, as well as where I disagree. I'm Dr. Ever Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's rebellion. As we wrap up the week, I want to go back to education. It's always my go-to, because I obviously have made the argument over and over again that Where education goes, so goes your culture, so goes your country, so goes your nation, so goes your church, so go your kids, and thus, so goes your family. And here's an example of what's going on out on the far left coast. Up in the northwest, Portland State University, Portland State University, recently had a professor of philosophy announce his resignation and in his letter of resignation, he says, the more I spoke out against the illiberalism that has swallowed Portland State University, the more retaliation I faced. I think I'm pronouncing his last name properly, but if you've heard differently, forgive me for this. It's Peter Bogassian, B-O-G-H-O-S-S-I-A-N, Peter Bogassian. And he has resigned. Now, he's not a Christian. He and I would disagree on a lot of things. But I think that he and I agree when it comes to the issue of academic freedom and intellectual liberty. Now, we come close to agreeing on what classical liberalism is, but he and I might disagree a little bit there. I'm going to share this story with you, and then I'm going to share a response that I got from one of my former Oklahoma Wesleyan University students, an alumnus now, who accused me of being guilty of indoctrination. Let's take a break. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I will be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. So the story of the day, the story that I'm choosing to cover right now, is this Letter of resignation from uh, Peter Boghossian. Uh Dr. Bagassian is a professor of philosophy, was a professor of philosophy at Portland State University. He had been there for the past 10 years, a decade. And I'm going to read portions of his letter of resignation to you. He submitted it to the provost of Portland State University, Dr. Susan Jeffords. And here's what he says. He says, Dr. Jeffords, I am writing to you today to resign as assistant professor of philosophy at Portland State University. And then he goes on and says this. Over the last decade, it's been my privilege to teach at the university. My specialties are critical thinking, ethics, and the Socratic method. And I teach classes like science and pseudoscience and the philosophy of education. But in addition to exploring classic philosophers and traditional texts, I've invited in a wide range of guest lecturers to address my classes, From flat earthers to Christian apologists to global climate skeptics to Occupy Wall Street advocates, I'm proud of my work. Now, full stop right there. Uh, (laughs) I don't really appreciate uh, Christian apologists being lumped in with flat earthers, which is implicit in his uh, litany, his uh, examples that he gives of... uh, guest speakers that he's brought into his classes. And in fact, in the next paragraph, he explains that uh, I think he really didn't intend to to lump Christian apologists in with flat earthers and uh, uh, other people of questionable uh, intellectual capacity, I suppose. Um, so don't think that as I go through this show that I'm agreeing with everything this guy says. I don't. But here's the thing. He's resigning because he's being, he's being uh, persecuted. He's suffering intellectual persecution, ideological persecution at the hands of the Portland State University faculty and students. And he's sick and tired of it. And he's saying enough is enough. I'm not going to allow you all to browbeat me with your foreclosed thinking, your closed minds, your immaturity, and your temper tantrums. And in all of that, I agree with him 100%. Good for you. Good for you, Dr. Bagassian. I appreciate the dilemma that you've been in. Let's go on with his letter of resignation. He says this, I invited those speakers not because I agreed with their worldviews, but primarily because I didn't. From those messy and difficult conversations, I've seen the best of what our students can achieve. Questioning beliefs while respecting believers staying even tempered and challenging circumstances and challenging ideas and even changing minds okay okay good uh, from those messy conversations i've seen the best that our students can achieve questioning beliefs while quest- excuse me questioning beliefs while respecting believers well, that's okay That's okay. You can question beliefs while respecting believers. He then goes on and says this, I never once believed, nor do I now, that the purpose of instruction was to lead my students to a particular conclusion. Rather, I sought to create the conditions for rigorous thought to help them gain the tools to hunt and furrow for their own conclusions. This is why I became a teacher and why I love teaching. Now, here's where the good doctor and I would disagree. And if you remember, when I had Michael Knowles on as a guest several episodes ago, Michael Knowles would disagree, too. Because essentially what the good doctor is arguing for right now is kind of an intellectual vacuum. Value neutrality which I would argue is the same thing as an intellectual and moral vacuum. If all things are neutral, then there is no value to anything. There's no positive or negative. Everything's neutral. And therefore, when there is no positive, there is no negative. You've created a vacuum, in this case, not a vacuum of physics, but you've created a vacuum of philosophy, a vacuum of virtue, a vacuum of values, a vacuum of veritas, truth. And therefore, what happens to vacuums? Vacuums are always filled. Now, Dr. Bagassian would probably say, that's fine. Let the students fill those vacuums with their own conclusions. In fact, that's his exact language. I'm going to read this paragraph to you again. And listen to what he's saying in light of my explanation and my challenge of his worldview. This is his word, his language. This is what he wrote. Again, I never once, excuse me, I never once believed, nor do I now, that the purpose of instruction was to lead my students to a particular conclusion. Do you hear him? He's saying, I don't believe, never have, never will, don't now. Didn't then, and I'm not going to believe it in the future, that my role as a teacher is to lead my students to a particular conclusion. Rather, I sought to create the conditions for rigorous thought and to help them gain the tools to hunt and furrow for their own conclusions. This is why I became a teacher in the first place, and this is why I love teaching. Close quote. Now, let me go back and pick that apart once again. He says, I never once believed, nor do I now, that the purpose of instruction was to lead my students to a particular conclusion. Full stop. Really? You don't believe it's your responsibility as a teacher to lead your students to a particular conclusion? Why? Why not? And doesn't your resignation presuppose that you're quitting because you couldn't lead your students to given conclusions? No, granted, the conclusions you were seeking were open mindedness, uh, the acquisition of tools to hunt and furrow, as to use your language, uh, the ability to be a critical thinker, the uh, aptitude for rigorous thought this is your language this is this this is this professor's own language so he obviously did have certain goals certain things certain ideas that he wanted his students to embrace the idea of rigorous thought the idea of critical thinking skills tools that allow you to hunt and furrow for solid conclusions rather than fallacious ones. He teaches Socratic logic, by the way. So if somebody just threw Socratic logic to the wind and said, you know, logic be damned, I would assume that the professor would challenge them and say, why? Defend your position. So claiming that everything is neutral, that everything is value neutral, everything is relative, is not a relative statement in and of itself. To say everything is relative is not living by its own standards. Again, it's sawing off the branch upon which you sit. You can't say everything, which is an all-inclusive statement, is non-inclusive, is relative, is vacuous is neutral. You just can't do that because the very statement that you just made claiming that everything is neutral is not a neutral claim in and of itself. Does that make sense? So this is the problem with that a lot of classical liberals have fallen into. They have worshiped liberalism to such a high degree that they have thrown the baby out with the bathwater. And they're suffering for it right now. And that's what's happening to this man. He's suffering the consequences of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I champion his spine and his courage. And I stand with him as he steps forward before the firing squad. And he says, you know, a pox on all your houses. You all claim to be interested in education and you're not. You don't even want to debate. You don't even want to have a good conversation. You're, you're, um, terrorizing, and you're penalizing, and you're silencing, and you're censoring, and you're canceling all those that disagree with you. This is not classical liberalism. This is not the liberal arts academy. This is not what good education is supposed to be about. He's 90% correct, but the 10% where he's wrong is his assumption that this could all happen in a moral vacuum. This could all happen when all ideas are relative. No, they're not. He wouldn't be resigning if all ideas were relative because he wouldn't care to resign. He would just say, "Okay, sera, sera, live and let live. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as it works for you. No, he can't go there. At the end of the day, he has to drive his stake into some ground that's solid. And at that point, in that moment... He has he's actually admitting that there has to be an objective value, an objective, objective standard out there. Like C.S. Lewis says, he can't do any measuring without a measuring rod outside of those things being measured. And you can't measure the intellectual bankruptcy of Portland State University and its students and its faculty. You can't judge them as being morally and intellectually vacuous, which is what he's doing. You can't judge them as being ideological fascists rather than proponents of academic freedom, which is what he's doing. You can't make those judgments unless you have a measuring rod outside of the thing that you're measuring. You can't make judgments unless you acknowledge some standard of judgment. There has to be a judge in order to have justice. And that judge can't be you, it can't be me, it has to be something outside of you and me. It has to be something like Lady Justice with a blindfold, holding the scales, recognizing that the facts are what matter. And that she can't lift the blindfold and peek, because when she does, she's inserting her own emotions into the equation. This is the thing that a lot of our progressives, our classic Uh, traditional liberals have missed. They've created a monster, and the monster's turning around to bite them. I hope you understand why I'm spending a little bit of time on that particular contradiction in this professor's resignation letter. I'm going to go read a little bit more, and then I'm going to share with you a criticism that I received from one of my students when I posted, my former students, when I posted this uh, this column, and I'm posting it because I sympathize with the guy, and I, by and large, in saying am saying good for you. Um, after he said this is why I became a teacher and why I love teaching, he does, then goes on and says this. But brick by brick, the university has made this kind of intellectual exploration impossible. It has transformed a bastion of free inquiry. Again, here he's missing the point. He's saying, at least implicitly so, that free inquiry is better than the opposite. Therefore, he's not intellectually morally neutral. He, he, he doesn't like the fact that free inquiry has been torn down brick by brick. Again, his value neutrality betrays itself here. He goes on. He says, the university has transformed itself from a bastion of free inquiry into a social justice factory whose only inputs are race, gender, and victimhood, and whose only outputs are grievance and division. Standing ovation. Spot on. Thank you for pointing that out. When you start elevating social justice... Justice defined by society, which by definition is justice defined by power, the populace, the rule of the gang. When justice is defined by the gang rather than defined by the Bible, you're not going to have a positive end. And that's exactly what we see in the academy today. The ivory tower is crumbling because society defines justice today. Well, what's society? It's 50% plus one. That's what society has become. If you've got 50% plus one, then Gavin Newsom and all of his lunacy will continue to be the despot of California. And he will continue to have his way in all of his hypocrisy, telling everybody else to live in ways that he himself is not willing to live. Because society is now defining what's just in California. It's social justice rather than biblical justice, constitutional justice. Natural law justice, it's now social justice, and that never ends well. People in Cuba believed in social justice. Castro was a proponent of social justice. Chavez was a proponent of social justice. Mussolini and Hitler, they were proponents of social justice. The list goes on and on. Robespierre and the French Revolution, proponents of social justice. When you cast aside natural law, common sense, sense that's common, when you cast aside justice as defined by God and now have justice as defined by government, which is 50% plus one, society, social justice, you're going to have inputs of race and gender and victimhood, and you're going to have outputs, outcomes, behaviors of grievance and division. And I would add this, vengeance and violence and vice. And I've said this a thousand times on this show. So again, good for this man. Thank you for standing up and growing a spine and saying enough is enough. I'm not going to be told what to teach and I'm not going to be shamed for doing so. And I'm not going to allow this, uh, the the SJWBLM LGBTQIA alphabet soup of selfishness and victimization and vice. I'm not going to allow all of that grievance that selfish, juvenile self-focus to rule the day in my classroom. Good for you. I'm glad you said it. But you need to recognize this is a monster of your own making. (sighs) Classical liberalism has to be grounded in liberty. And liberty is an objective thing. It is not a social construct. Liberty is given by God. Liberty exists because you were created in the image of God he created you with freedom and that's the only reason we have debates and arguments over liberty that's the only way that's the only reason we've had revolutions over the issue of liberty it's because we recognize when the human being is enslaved held in bondage to the powerful to those that those demagogues that may be popular for a given moment but then start exercising their authority to Our disadvantage, we rise up and we throw them off and we say, no, we will not tolerate that. You've compromised my freedom. Give me liberty or give me death. Patrick Henry. That's why I've said so many times over and over again, we seem to be forgetting that lesson. And we say, I fear death, so take my liberty. So in the few minutes I've got left, I want to comment on... uh, on my good friend, who is who's on uh, Facebook with me, who challenged me for posting this, uh, is I'm just going to go right out and call a spade a spade. His name's Nathan Horton. He follows me on Facebook. I can I can mention his name because he put it out there publicly, so I'm not outing him. So. He says this with regard to me posting this column. Um, He says, uh, I attended Oklahoma Wesleyan University when Dr. Everett Piper was the president there. And if what was being done at that time isn't indoctrination, I don't know what is. Students are required to attend a religious service three times a week as part of their education. That's his comment. Uh, I want to read it again. Keep in mind he's responding to my posting, which is favorable of this professor philosophy resigning from Portland State University because his intellectual freedom was being compromised by the alphabet soup cabal, the rainbow, LGBTQIABLMSJW cabal, the authoritarians, the thought police. This professor resigned because he didn't want to be held in prison, intellectual prison, by them any longer. So he says, I attended Oklahoma Wesleyan University when Dr. Everett Piper was president, and if what was being done there isn't indoctrination, I don't know what is. Students are required, he puts it in capital letters, to attend a religious service three times a week as part of their education. Context, what he's referring to is required chapel. They actually do... Uh, have required chapel at Oklahoma Wesleyan University, which almost all colleges and universities across the nation had at one time. Even state universities had required chapel at one time. University of Michigan had required chapel. Harvard, Dartmouth, Princeton, Yale, all were founded as Christian institutions, and they had required chapels uh, for a couple hundred years, but they don't any longer. Oklahoma Wesleyan University is in the classical liberal arts model, and we still have required chapels. And under my leadership, those chapels focused on what? Uh Uh-oh, here it comes, the gospel. I wanted my students to be exposed to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Is that indoctrination? He's suggesting it is. I want you to think about that. I'm going to give my answer to him. But was I guilty of indoctrination because my students were required to attend a religious service three times a week as part of their education. You think so? Is that indoctrination? Well, no, it's not. And let me explain why. I said to my friend Nathan, welcome to the real world. In case you haven't noticed, required attendance is part of working at, oh, let's say IBM, Amazon, General Motors, as well as any corporate or public sector job known to man. And by the way, no one required you to apply and attend Oklahoma Wesleyan University. No one ever required you to enroll. And no one ever required you to believe or even say you believed anything. And then I hashtagged it, foolish comment. You understand my point? Attending Oklahoma Wesleyan University is voluntary. Nobody forces you to apply. Nobody forces you to attend. It's voluntary. You know what you're getting into when you buy the product, and the product is a Christian liberal arts institution. So you can't turn around and say you're being indoctrinated when a Christian institution includes Christianity in its curriculum. And, oh, by the way, uh, last I knew, you're required to go to class at basically any university. If you don't go, you probably aren't going to get a very good grade. At least that used to be the standard practice of education up until about five seconds ago. And getting a job at IBM, I assume they require you to do certain things. We know they're requiring you to go through diversity training now. Is that indoctrination? Do they require you to learn other things about your job? Is that indoctrination? Does the word requirement presuppose indoctrination? Well, of course not. That's a foolish comment. I then go on and I said this. I said, being right required to attend class, being required to attend practice if you're an athlete, being required to go to work if you've got a job on campus or otherwise, being required to attend training sessions in the job you now hold, All of these requirements are no different than being required to go to chapel. And again, Nathan, no one forced you to apply to attend Oklahoma, Wesleyan University. You knew what the product was before you bought it. And no one ever forced you to agree with anything that was ever presented in chapel. There was no forced ideology and there was no discipline or negative consequence. You weren't graded down if you disagreed with what You heard about in chapel or in class or any place else for that matter. Your statement is just silly. He responded and said this. I'm trying to understand. Is your claim that there is forced ideology or discipline for disagreement at non-Okwu universities? If yes, could you explain what's meant by forced ideology? Would that be a presentation of only one ideology as correct. For example, teaching only creation but not evolution. No. And I said, you're dodging, Nathan. You've been caught in your false claims and your lack of logic, and you're merely moving the target now to avoid getting shot. Not the best debate strategy, in my view. So let's just stick to the point. The fact that Oklahoma Wesleyan University, or I, right now on this radio show, am trying to convince you of the superiority of my worldview does not mean I'm guilty of indoctrinating you. You can turn the show off. You don't have to listen to me. And I'm not penalizing you if you disagree with me. I'm not taking your job. I'm not lining you up against the wall. I'm not going to shoot you. I'm not going to do anything negative to you. But I am going to try to convince you of the veracity of my claims. That's not indoctrination. That's good debate. That's good teaching. And to suggest otherwise is asinine. Uh, That's enough for the day. Remember this, in times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.